You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. We're bringing self-care and self-discovery to your ears so that you can try on some new practices. Now's a great time, fall, Libra season. We're talking beauty today. We're talking art, creativity, such a fun conversation. So I was gifted a coloring book, a mandala coloring book with my firstborn Lily for labor to color and kind of just chill out during that labor process, early labor with Lily. And I actually ended up using that coloring book for all three of my girlies to help relax. And I was looking at this coloring book over the last couple of months, you know, the mandala, seeing how it looks so beautiful. And I I use mandala in yoga classes. So I was like, how is this related? And then I started to see sacred geometry shapes like that mandala showing up kind of everywhere. I noticed it on my supplement bottles. I noticed it on some tarot cards, on cards to give to other people. I was like, what is this sacred geometry thing? You know, how does it relate? And it turns out like, that's kind of the point. Sacred geometry is everywhere. It connects us. It connects us to nature. And I wanted to find someone to talk about this and how we can use this as a part of a spiritual practice, as a part of self-care. And I was connected with the amazing artist and author, Anna Victoria Calderon. She just recently released a book on this topic. So it was so serendipitous. Anna is a Mexican-American watercolor artist, author, and teacher, and she teaches in-person workshops and retreats, including the Magic Jungle Experience in Mexico. Sounds amazing. (laughs) And she's taught around half a million students through her online watercolor courses on Skillshare and Domestica. Her newest book is Creative Drawing Symbols and Sacred Geometry. This is such a cool modality, and there's really something in here for everyone. There are so many ways that you can use sacred geometry. With each episode, I do like to pull out simple self-care practices that you can try on right now, and I share those on Instagram, on Yoga Magic Instagram. So make sure you're following along on there. It's at Yoga Magic Podcast. And before we get to our conversation with Anna, a heads up that I'm back to some fun community events online. And the next one will be on November 1st at 12 p.m. noon Central Time. We're going to be using astrology for calendar planning. So if you're new to thinking ahead, some cosmic calendar planning, this is going to be a great event to attend. 
there's so many things that you can pay attention to with the you know planning of the next year or even planning a month ahead, whether that be Mercury retrogrades or moon cycles. And if you have some flexibility in your work, maybe some flexibility in your life schedule, and you want to use that in a really planful way day to day, this can be so fun, such a simple tool to have in your toolbox for planning. So tickets are just $10. It happens on Zoom. It's recorded. And you know if you want to go ahead and not attend it live, if it's midday for you, just want to go back and use it to start creating your calendars for 2023, please, please grab a ticket. Tickets are in the show notes again, just $10. Okay, friends, let's hop to this conversation on sacred geometry with artist and author, Anna Victoria Calderon. All right, Anna, I'm so excited to chat with you today about a topic that I have been searching for someone to share. And it's just like, yeah, Very excited to have you. Can you share with listeners who you are and how you get to the work that you're doing today? Sure, no problem. So my name is Anna Victoria Calderon. And uh, well, I am a watercolor artist, author, and teacher. And um, I think what we're going to talk about most is my new sacred geometry book. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this is the fourth book I have published um, my books are published with Quarto and translated and um, co-edited around the world in different languages. And it's really fun and exciting. And this fourth book is called Creative Drawing, Symbols and Sacred Geometry. And it took us a while to get to the final name because um, all I knew was that I really wanted to write a book about sacred geometry because it was a topic that was fascinating me as an artist mm-hmm. for a few years. And it wasn't super obvious to the publisher in in the beginning um, because I I wanted to explain how it's just such a universal topic. And for example, in the art world, um, you might know that like mandalas have been really in fashion for a while. And there was Mm -hmm. even like craze with coloring books or, you know, and I'm, I was sort of trying to explain, well, this is like the mother of all, like, this is where it all starts. (laughs) Sacred geometry is, is where basically everything that we it's so hard to talk about this topic because it just covers so many different things and that was my biggest challenge when I started to not only write this book but even learn about the topic myself so yeah and actually I really appreciate your humility around this because we're all sort of in when we first start studying whatever it is that we're interested we're all beginners at some point and with you being in watercolors and being an artist yourself, like how did you specifically stumble across sacred geometry? Yeah. I have been a full-time artist for many years now. Like it's my full-time job. I do, I license my artwork to companies like stationary companies and I teach tons of online classes and I host retreats and I have this whole, you know, awesome uh, life going on as an artist. It's, it's my job and I get to do what I love for a living, which is fantastic. But I think it might've been around 2015 that my mind started to not be so happy, even though everything was going amazing, like um, good relationship. I was making like good money with art, which is not everyone gets to do that. Um, Great opportunities had been coming my way. Like I, it was going great, but I was just Oh, there was, I was just really uneasy spiritually, if that makes any sense. I think, yeah, totally. <laughs> I think everyone that starts some sort of journey 
um, it begins that way, right? Where you're not in a great spot, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've heard this story over and over. And for me, it was just, you know, anxiety, a lot of just chatter in my head that I wasn't, I just wasn't happy with how my mind, how I was existing in my mind. And so I started to just seek out different ways to heal. First, I took I took a course in Vedic meditation, which is similar to transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. And that was like my first starting core. We're like, oh, okay, finally, like 70% of the chatter has just totally disappeared. But I knew that I wanted to started to seek out a little bit more. And I started to study like Ayurveda and I started to go to these amazing acupuncture sessions and, you know, the whole thing, right. You started to just like digging in and it was really awesome. And also with our retreats, the magic jungle, we started doing a lot of like creativity work with around magic and just a bunch of cool stuff started happening. And within all these like um, journaling exercises we do at the retreats and in meditation and in all these different moments, I started to see the shapes. <laughs> like they would, cool. yeah, they would start to to pop up. And that's how um, you know, creativity or art works in general. You just sort of like have an image and and before you forget it, you want to like sketch it out. Um, and in this case, I was like, well, I'm seeing a lot of, of geometry. And also like the word sacred geometry would, I would write it down when I would journal. And I didn't even know exactly what it was. It was just like, oh, this is, this is my curiosity leading me to somewhere new, right? I want to start learning Mm -hmm. about this Um, before sacred geometry. I would, I would do a few, a few like spiritual pieces, like around symbolism, but, but not so much like on geometry specifically. And I didn't even do much in mandala work or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like something new. And so sacred geometry, the phrase, the word started to come up and I started doing research and I, you know, bought books and took classes and I would watch lectures. Um, and what started to happen was that I got so overwhelmed and I was even more confused when I started researching than before. <laughs> You know, and it was, it was crazy. I was like, okay, so sacred geometry is this topic that like, I took, I took classes with mathematicians and I'm an illustrator. Like math was the one subject that I could never wrap my brain around. Same, was, same girl. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was always like a pretty good student, but math was that one that was like, ah, oh, I just don't get it. My mind just doesn't work that way. But geometry is really different because it's so visual and it's sort of like, it's not really about the numbers. It's about matching shapes and intersections and it just works differently. So I started to take all these classes and, um, and I was really confused and overwhelmed, but I knew that I still was interested in this topic. I was like, there must be some way to simplify this. Right. So it was about two to three years where I just slowly started integrating sacred geometry into my artistic practice where I was like, because sacred geometry is, um, it's almost like, um, like a system of different shapes Mm -hmm. and they grow upon each other. So they sort of like nest and grow. This means that it all starts with a circle and then they expand. And then within the different circles, you can nest different shapes. So it's like this cool game where, where you start to connect lines and, um, and it's all based on circles and intersections, which is really fun. And when you start researching, I mean, the topics are math, physics, alchemy, um, (laughs) like different religions from across all ages 
and all places in, in the world <laughs> from, you know, from, from Egypt to the to China. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's really a lot. So even music, so sacred geometry is this topic that covers all these different topics and whoever you ask will have like their take on it. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm like, my brain is an artist's brain. I, I need to really focus and, <laughs> and see what the, what is the, what are the benefits or how, what is sacred geometry from the artist's perspective? Um, so I never found a book at all that could explain this to me. So I decided to write it. <laughs> and um, I, all I wanted to do was like really simplify what sacred geometry is, teach other artists how to draw these shapes and give them a little bit of symbolism behind each shape and then sort of like leave it open to, all right, if you're in into this as much as I am, like go crazy and like start doing all the research and, um, you know, watch YouTube videos or lectures or take um, classes from mathematicians like I did if you want to. <laughs> So that's sort of like the story of why I wrote the book and how I got interested in the topic. I think you're so right that like there isn't a lot of explanation and that's why I've been, I've been seeking out someone to talk about it cuz like I I see it. I was picking up my supp- like a supplement bottle the other day and I'm like, "Oh, hey, that's sacred geometry. Like I'm why is this symbol sacred and something else isn't?" So can you in your, like, give it to me in like the simplest terms. Like I'm the greenest of green. And I imagine a lot of our listeners are too, but what is it? Yeah. Like what makes sacred geometry sacred? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So, so sacred geometry, I guess the easiest way to explain it would be, it's a system of drawings. Okay. So it starts out with the circle and to speak of sacred geometry, you need to start talking about the circle first, like that's the first shape in sacred geometry. Okay, Ashley. So think of nature, like think of all the different places that you can find a circle in nature. Like give me a couple of examples. Like I think of like the sun, I guess that's a sphere, but like a tree, like the circle of a tree. Yeah. Like, um, or your eyeball even, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or, um, bubbles, like all these different shapes. Yeah. Um, you can, you can, I've, I always ask this question to students and they start to come up with like, um, the sun, the moon, the earth, like the planets, like all planets. And, you know, and, and even, um, even a spiral can be considered a circle because it's going into the circular motion. And now think where you can find a square in nature. Hmm. That's harder, isn't it? Yeah. In nature. Yeah. And the answer is you won't find it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, so when we talk about symbolism, the square represents us human beings and how, like what we have built on earth. So you can think of, of mm. um, a house, a building, like all these, your refrigerator or, you know, right. Like all that kind of stuff. Like we we are the ones who implemented this like square shape, right? That's just a little bit of symbolism. And you can go on and talk about, you know, the pentagram and the triangle and all different shapes have have symbolism, but the circle is really the starting point of everything. It represents infinity. It represents it just, there's really no starting point and no end. And um, what happens with sacred geometry is that once a, su- a circle duplicates itself, that's when the, like the true system begins. So there's a shape called the vesica Pisces, which is like 
first it starts with a circle and then is the vesica pisces and it's this like double circle like this mm-hmm. he's with my hand so it's the middle point of the second circle begins on the circumference of the first circle so it's like two interlocking circles right and the symbolism behind this is that it's a lot a lot of times in sacred geometry you will hear the circle be referred to as like the source right? It's like the source of everything and the source duplicates itself. And when you duplicate a circle and it intersects with each other, you get a point. So um, you can get like a straight line when you connect both intersections of the circle. And it sounds really complicated, but when you see the drawing, it's, you've seen it a million times. And it's like, for example, like the Jesus fish, that little. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what happens. That's where like the Vesica Pisces. And then the system continues to grow where like the second circle duplicates itself again and connects to the second intersection. And that's where you get that beautiful, that's called the seat of life. So that's like the third shape in sacred geometry. And the shape that you probably saw in that bottle is called the flower of life. And mm-hmm. that flower of life is when like the shape starts to continue to expand. And it's this series of circles that intersect around each other so it's a lot harder to um I was explain just yeah it's a lot- like with your mouth versus yeah. like seeing it I agree <laughs> but I mean what I always tell students is you like if you I'm sure if you've ever taken a yoga class or have bought some sort of product that has some sort of like spiritual connotation to it or even a book um you will have seen the shape like especially the flower of life It's the one shape that I think that has been adopted most in, for example, like a spiritual community, or um, a lot of people even use this shape as like a little mat on their altars. Yeah. For like crystals and things. Yep. Exactly. It's a, it's like a grid. So yes, um, it's really cool. And, and the, the thing with it is that for me, the powerful thing is like, it's on all these different shapes, but what does it do to us humans as when we draw these shapes, like we are actually creating these shapes and there must be something to that, like having, like learning how to draw all these shapes. And, and I, then that's what I did a lot of research on, like, what does it do to our, to our mind and to our creativity? There's tons more to unpack there. I, one funny story. So when I, somebody gifted, you were talking about like the craze of like the coloring books and stuff, the, the mm-hmm. mandala um, coloring books. Someone had gifted me that for when I went into labor yeah. and I like did it. Like I was, you know, coloring during labor and it was very soothing. And so there is some practicality to, to experiencing these. And there's also, like you're saying symbolism to them. So what, like you kind of said, what do we do like are we creating them or are we just looking at them or like can you are you experiencing some benefits from both yeah so you know everyone has their different spiritual practice or their way to connect with whatever it is that you believe in or the creator and for me it it truly is creativity because when you actually make something with your own hands, you're channeling like directly with the the source of everything. You are making something just like we were made and everything else goes through this process. And the biggest thing that I found and what really clicked for me was this explanation. It was a, it was a, it was a sacred geometry course. It was a really technical course that I took and, um, and it was by a mathematician and he was explaining how the 
really cool thing that happens when you actually draw sacred geometry and then go over to like your, he called it like your creative mission, which was, all right, now you have drawn these shapes and now go crazy and add color, add form, add interpretation, add meaning, add, add symbols. So this combination is both sides of your brains, your left side and your right side. You know that everyone I think knows this about how one side of your brain is more geared towards, <clears throat> towards logic mm-hmm. and you know, perfection and all these different characteristics. It's also like connected to the masculine energy. Right. And then the other feminine energy is more like the curve, the creativity, the, you know, colors, imagination, all this, all this stuff that's more like free flow and more ethereal. Um, mm-hmm. And what happens when you draw geometry is that you're using both sides of your brain. So the the thing that happens when you create a perfect shape using these interlocking circles is there's this sense of satisfaction because you've created something so perfect and it's like there's no questioning or guessing or did i do it right it's like the math will tell you that it yeah it's it's almost like you know 1 plus 1 is 2 like there's no debating that right and when you draw this geometry you get that same feeling of satisfaction of oof i created it and i didn't I didn't mess it up. I did it perfectly and it all interlocks perfectly and it just works. It works. It's a system that works. And people gain a lot of satisfaction with that because I think one of the hardest things for human beings is dealing with the sense of chaos. Like I did everything right. Like, why does this not turn out? You know, the thing. And, And when you draw geometry, it's this really soothing effect because sort of like perfection equals goodness. It's just something that's really great. It's, it's done perfectly. And you have this sense of, okay, the logic took me here and I, and I drew it out and I have this great shape here. And then you can switch on your other side of your brain and use like, do your creative mission. So, okay. So yeah. So once you, you drew out the grid. So for example, the thing with like the coloring books would be like, you're only using the soothing part, which it has like making art in general, any kind of art, whether it's coloring or, painting or crochet or macrame, whatever it is that you're making with your hands has amazing benefits. So whatever it is that you're making with your hands has amazing benefits within itself. Like just, just making art is good for you in general. And Mm -hmm. there's tons of, I mean, you could go into psychology and read all about it. And, but I think that this is taking it to the next level because you're actually the person who drew the mandala that you colored, (laughs) they went through that experience where there had to it had to start with a circle. It had to start with these intersections that divide the circle in eight different pieces. And then when they drew this, they had to use a ruler or a straight edge and divide the circle in, into different sections. Like there's all this work that goes behind drawing. Like these drawings just don't magically appear. Like someone has to make them. So when you are creating your own artwork based on sacred geometry, you're using both sides. Like you have all your technical tools and you're doing this perfect drawing and you have this sense of ease, like, oh, oof, logic led me to this perfect place. And then you can just go crazy and start to explore within the shape. And that's where you can use like, you know, your storytelling as an artist or color or technique or texture, um, all these different cool things that, that artists can play with. And anyone can do it. <laughs> Any medium will work. You can color, you can use watercolor, you can do acrylics, even digital art. That's what I found that was really mind-blowing to me, how how powerful it is. 
that was my next question is like for someone that isn't an artist, for those of us that just want to use sacred geometry or honor it really through creation, you know, like we don't have a straight edge at home. Like (laughs) how would that, how would we engage with it? No. Yeah. And I've, and I've definitely seen it used in like what we were saying before, like the, the actual shapes are printed onto different mats, for example. Mm -hmm. And I've seen, like, I, I have this at my, in my studio, I have my own, you know, my altar with my candles and my crystals and all the stuff that I like to have at a sacred spot where I'm, where I'm actually painting. And, um, you can lay it out and you can, there's even entire books on creating crystal grids with sacred geometry. So you can start to find different patterns, um, which is really fun with, with the shapes and sort of like interchange, like, okay, so maybe I'll do a quartz in in this, uh, section, and then I'll do, um, a tiger eye here. And so you can start to like play around and, and you yourself, the fun thing is that you can use these shapes for the meaning that you desire. Like Mm. it's, someone once asked me about, um, I think, I think they had seen sacred geometry in, uh, I can't remember what, what culture it was because it's literally in every single culture (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and even religion and everything that you can think of, they, they use sacred geometry somehow. So she was asking me, well, am I like, um, like culturally appropriating something? And I'm like, no, it's like asking if you are culturally appropriating the sun or the moon. It's, it's oh, truly like, okay. it's not like it's part of one culture. It's more like nature. Like we are a part of it. Mm. So you can really play around or you can do research and see, um, for example. Um, okay. So there's this one symbol, the tree of life and which is born from the flower of life. As I said, it's like this, this little evolution of, of shapes. And um, that tree of life is also uh, called like the Markaba and it's used in Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have seen that and they have, I mean, I, I've read a, a bit about it and it's really interesting. And it's this thing where with nods and paths and each path represents something different. So, I mean, you can go in and if you would like to study like a specific uh, spiritual practice or even religion or, um, or just as like an interesting cultural um, or, or social um, topic, you can go in and you can, you can see what these different cultures have, have chosen to call all these shapes and what they, you know, what symbols or what meaning they attribute to each one of these, Mm -hmm. or you can really like make it about uh, like I did where, where I found comfort in, in being an artist and like actually using these shapes in my practice. Another thing you can also do is literally I've, I've heard of meditation practices where they just stare at the shapes and so like, you know, that you get into a meditative state and you, and you have a shape, one of these shapes, like usually it'll be the flower of life. And they just sort of like, you go into a gaze and stare and stare. So, I mean, there's all these different ways and I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a big topic. It can get overwhelming because there's, it's just, um, it's present in, in so many different aspects. I'm thinking right now, as far as like, so the, the lunar nodes are in Taurus and Scorpio and like Taurus is about slowing down and like seeing those things 
that you're speaking to, like going outside and being able to like find all the circles, right. And like see the sacred geometry and just like the earth in like the literal earth human experience. I mean, that in itself is a daily practice that you could use that like, I had not even thought of until you started talking about. Oh, you, you just reminded me of something that's really interesting. So there's even an entire book on this where, okay, so flowers, flowers are mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful things to contemplate. And there's an entire book of different sacred geometry shapes overlapping on all different types of species and flowers from around the world and um how they 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 like place the grid over the flower and it matches perfectly so even even within the flowers the these sacred geometry shapes are present so even if you're not um trying like everything yeah. that surrounds you is going to be a part of the, this geometry and and what's really cool about it is that it's sort of i don't know for me this is maybe something more personal but for me it represents this thing where there is some sort of not plan, but everything is the way it's supposed to be. And it's not just random chaos. Like there is some sort of harmony and um, I don't know, just the way, way things are, are set up. It's not totally random. (laughs) No. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Or even, yeah. I'm thinking about like, you know, how the icicles, like when they're Mm-hmm. When you're feeding them the the positive affirmations of that like famous experiment, they make these like beautiful shapes. Yeah, in its true harmonious form. Versus like if you were to like put negative energy into it, they're like all yeah, they get all all crazy, crazy looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, I was like, now that we're talking about sort of nature and all these perfect shapes and stuff, there's I I started and you said about icicles and. For example, snowflakes are a really great example of sacred geometry. Um, So this, like the hexagon is this shape that is born from the seed of life, which is this like the starting point from all, for all other sacred geometry forms. And it's these six sides, right? And even that is part of sacred geometry. Um, And every snowflake is slightly different, which is really cool. So it's also this play where it has, it has this grid where it's like, okay, I have these six, every snowflake has six um, sides. Right. And, um, but then they're sort of like free to play within these six sides. So it's, it's a really, I don't know. I think the whole, everything around us is this combination and and we are like that as humans as well. I think Mm -hmm. we have, we all have these similarities where for example, like the human is more the pentagram where we have five sides. It's our, you know, the Da Vinci drawing, super famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also based on sacred geometry. So we have our, our two limbs in our head and that's like the five point star like that. And, um, okay. So we all, most of us have that. Most of us are born with the four limb, like two, two legs, two arms and one head. And, and then there's all this like free play within, you know, you have all these variations like body type, like eye color, like hair color, like, Mm. um, et cetera, et cetera. So, and also the, I love what you said about the energy that you put into things. Like it can, it can go either way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your self-care practices, but I'd be curious to know as a practicing artist, as somebody who's like spiritually aligned, who's interested in this world, like what are your practices for getting into the zone for creation? Like, what do you do to set up your space? You're talking, you had sort of an altar, mm-hmm. like what else do you like to do? 
Yeah. Well, we were talking before about how I think we both, we probably both have babies that are similar. Mine is, um, she's going to be 14 months. Mine's only three months, but I have two other daughters as well. (laughs) Okay. So, um, things have shifted. I I Um, I think I used to have a lot more space and sort of like, I could also get creative in my, in the way I set up my spiritual like practice and creative practice. Um, but always, always there, you need to, to set up a beautiful spot for yourself to actually Mm -hmm. create. Right. And I think I, I love these rainbow catchers on windows I, I always have one of those in my studio. I love to mm. see, just turn around and, oh, it's that time of day again. All the rainbows are in my studio. That's like a really cute thing that I always like to have wherever my studio might be. Essential oils are a pretty big part of my practice. Um, I, I love, you know, citrus for the morning to get mm-hmm. me energized. And I love that. And I don't know, just like having all of your supplies set up neatly, I think is important and having beautiful objects around you. Like mm-hmm. I will always buy ceramics uh, or pottery from somebody who is independent and made it with their own hands and put all my, all my brushes in there, as opposed to something that I got like at a target or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Well, you have to like honor, honor it and, you know, honor other artists and have maybe their work in your creative space too. And that's right. Yeah. Like the aesthetics of, of creation really. And so with your, your essential oils, do you like to diffuse it? Do you like your your modality? Oh my God. I use them for so much. So I diffuse in my studio. I always have diffusers and then I always rub my feet at night. I have like a big tub of of almond oil and this is like an Ayurveda thing that I learned that yeah, amazing. And it really helps you sleep well. And it's like, you just rub your feet with oil and then I'll usually add like lavender or chamomile oil in there too. And it's, I don't know, it just makes life so special, so much better. Mm-hmm. And just having all this, um, you know, all the different senses are being activated too, which I think is important. Do you do that at night, rubbing the, doing the oil yeah. massage at night? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. sometimes people do it in the morning too, but I like the idea of the feet at night. Yeah. Well, cause, cause one of them is the abhyanga, which is where you like rub your entire mm-hmm. body with oil and then you actually can even take a shower after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and I do that from time to time too. Um, when you feel like your, your internal air is aggravated, the like vata, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, I really like to do it at night because it's, it's just like, okay, I have the babies asleep. I have a moment to myself and you do, you like your foot massage and you put socks on after that. And it really helps you sleep. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Especially you know, you're a mom too. You know how precious sleep is. So. Yeah. <laughs> that You brought up a good point. And I was, I was curious to ask you this as a, like a spiritual mama to another, like, how mm-hmm. do you teach do you have a daughter or a son? It's a daughter. Yeah. Okay. How do you teach her the like spirituality or like, do you just show by example? Like what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on sort of like spreading the yeah. amazingness that you've learned yourself? Yeah. I love that topic and I'm excited for her to grow a little more and, and be able to, cause right now, you know, she's a tiny baby and she mm-hmm. still doesn't get it all. But in my meditation practice, there's this whole thing around having um, kids too. And there's even a mantra that 
your um, instructor gives to you when your baby is born and you whisper it. Cool. Yeah. You whispered in her, 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 his ear whenever, like right after I remember they, um, I pushed her out and I was like, bring, you know, bring her over and lay her on her. And I had like, before anything, I, I said the mantra in her ear three times and I was oh like, Oh my gosh, it goosebumps. That's so cool. I think that as a mother, your child is an extension of you for the first months. And then even, I mean, she's barely 14 months, so I don't know um, <laughs> what else is to come. But what I've been told a lot is that kids, they observe how you compose yourself too, and how you, mm-hmm. you live your life and your personal routines and practices. And they sort of learn from you, right? So um, I'm hoping that she will always understand like, okay, mama is meditating right now. And um, it's quiet time. And whenever she is old enough, the meditation practice that I do, they have a program for children where it's depending on how old they are, it's how many minutes they meditate. So Mm -hmm. like, and the way that they like pay for the course is with a drawing, (laughs) which is really cool. So let's say, I don't know, maybe when she's four and she might be like, Hey, what's this meditation thing that mom does? And I can take her with my instructor and um, they will teach her a technique appropriate for her age (laughs) she can sort of calm down. And if she's four, she will meditate for four minutes. (laughs) So um, that's, that's like the thing that I can think of now. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I also, I also do use a little bit of oils with her. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like the nighttime calming down moment and all that. So um, what about you? How do you how do you do it with your kids? Oh, that's such a good, I mean, I, like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and sometimes people yeah. ask me this question as well. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I, it is, I think by example, like leading by example. And I, I try to expose them to just tons of different conversations, like different religions, I, all the things that they can just be osmosis. Right. And like, you know, you're talking like a little one at 14 months, like they're still very much connected to us. And then my eldest, she's almost, well, she's going to be seven soon. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's when you start to feel them like, okay, now like they they're fully formed. Yeah. Their subconscious is, is, is forming. And like, they're a little bit more separate than ever before, but up until then it's like just exposing them to so much so that they can let it settle in their little bodies. And when they get older, they get to decide what they want to use. And, and yeah, that's, I really like what you said about exposing them to all different kinds of things, because I think that that is a big part of life and the younger you are, and you understand that not everyone looks like you and not even not everyone eats the same food that you eat at home or even speaks the same language as you i think that it's really helpful and just like having having an open mind when you grow up and also not being frightened like not being freaked yeah. out by other things and just knowing that there's everything's different and that's something that i'm like really excited to do with my kid is every year save up some money to be able to take her somewhere new in the summers or something like have her see different things and expose her to situations that are not like the same, like every day, this is, you know, this is where you go to school and these are your friends, like switch it up a little bit. Totally. Yeah. That's fun. And I like what you said about just exposing her to different types of even religions and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just being like, you, you get to choose one day and this is what mommy and daddy do, but um, mm-hmm. you're your own human. So 
I'm really glad that we were connected because this is like, I'm, this is just really cool information, like sacred geometry and applying this to ourselves as humans. And you're doing really, really cool work. Um, I want people to make sure to get your book. Can you talk about your book a little bit and just like, yeah, where they can find it, all the good details. The the cool thing about working with a publisher like Quarto is you get to see you get to say like everywhere books are sold. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like they do an amazing job of I mean, you can find the book everywhere from like Amazon, Barnes and Noble and their website to like different small museums in Europe or just random things like that. So um if you're in the in the US, like maybe just search my name, Anna Victoria Calderon on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and you'll find all my books there. And um the most recent one, Creative Drawing Symbols and Sacred Geometry. I'm so excited about um the Spanish edition just came out right now, and I'm about to go to Spain on a book tour cool. um, for a few weeks. Yeah, and it's it's gonna be really, really fun. Um, so this book is, I mean, you literally, you don't have to be a pro. You don't have to be this huge artist. Like it can be for any level. It can be for beginners. It can be for people who already have an artistic practice and they want to integrate something new or like even grow as an artist into their practice. So what I really did was I made it super simple. I know like it doesn't seem like this for this conversation because it's no, like, it really does though. It does. <laughs> it's like, well, the snowflakes and you know, but um, <laughs> but I promise I just I did my best. I did so much research. I just tried to make it super easy to understand. I laid out all the shapes, a little bit about what they mean and how to draw them. And then you can just like take liberty and I promise using a compass is not hard it's not as hard as we remember from geometry class when we were in (laughs) high school it's much more simple I promise it's it's um it's really fun actually and so that book is out now um and I'm really excited I'm excited for everyone to pick it up I'm starting to see um on Instagram people making their own creations and nothing makes me happier than to see you know other other people, other artists, other creatives finding joy in, in, in using these shapes for, for their personal practice. Yeah. Oh, but that does feel really cool to see people using your book and creating their own things and sharing it with the world. And it just keeps, it's like the gift that keeps on giving, right? Like it just keeps spreading like the circle that's growing on itself. (laughs) It's, it's the best. It truly is. It's what makes me happy and like why I continue to you know, to, to try to, to share as much as I can, um, with, with other people. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the book. That's what's out right now. And that's what I'm really excited about. If listeners want to learn more about you or learn more about the work that you do with magic jungle, with your retreats, like how can Mm -hmm. they connect more with you? Um, they can go to Anna Victoriana, which is my Instagram or at enter the magic jungle, which is our retreat. Instagram profile. And we have two retreats coming up in February, which is happens every year. And we have one week in Spanish and one week in English, which is awesome. So we get a super international crowd, people from all around the world come and create art with us. And um, we also have like group meditations. Um, It's all this like, it's in the Yucatan jungle. It's a beautiful place with like just glistening pools and the weather is amazing and the food is vegetarian and it's really good. It's like actually really yummy. And (laughs) um, 
so we do like cir- circles with cacao and fire and um you know we have a bunch of little secrets that we do there which are <laughs> which you'll have to like find out when you get there but um it's all about growing as an artist and it's also a really good retreat for people who want to like grow their entrepreneur like their if you have a business with your art it's also the retreat for you like you can or cannot have that but um we also talk a lot about like making a living as an artist and mm. share different stories and um this will be our seventh year doing it so magic jungle is is like my I think that's my biggest spiritual practice too like the week that I spend there with other women is is so special and um it's helped me discover a lot of my passions like this sacred geometry book came out of journaling from Mm. that retreat so thank you so much Anna this was so much fun I really appreciate your time yeah Ashley thank you so much for having me and um I hope someone listening picks up a compass and says I want to learn a little bit about sacred geometry (laughs) it might be me (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. You can follow us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. And if you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. We'll see you next week.